Shut up and sit down. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, our podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in L.A. Hello. And Jason in D.C. Here I am. <laughs> and, and this week, we are joined by our other very special friend, Cordell. Hi, Cordell. Hey, everyone. Hi, Trisha. Do I know you with something else? But, you know, when you're here, we running from the law. So she uses different names on different podcasts. I won't tell your secret, Trisha. No, I won't. It's so discombobulating to hear Trisha coming out of your mouth. It's fabulous. I love it. Okay. I didn't realize that you use your other name on the other podcast. Is there a logic behind when you use one or the other? Absolutely no logic. Some people know her as if you're an, if you're an eagle-eared listener, you've heard people refer to her by some other weird name. That's actually her real name. Trisha's not. A, we made that up. Anyway, Cordell is here because wants to talk about black people in the opera world, which I'm super excited to hear about because I wasn't a super opera fan at one point in time. Cordell, tell us what interests you about this topic and why we should listen to you about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're very confrontational. So uh, apparently, so so I would say that you know, growing up, I grew up in the Caribbean, West Indies, and I've always loved classical music. It's always in all of the cartoons, you know. And when you grow up in the Caribbean and third world developing nation, you have limited television access because you know you don't have multiple channels. So you see a lot of old films, classical school. So that's always been in the back of my head, you know. And I guess when I moved here. I was able to be exposed to get more access to the physical copies of music, you know, whereas it was sort of restricted back then. And I found that I it sort of clicked. It worked for me on many levels, the literature, the drama, the music. Well, I always knew that Black people have been performing in opera. Black people can do anything. When my freshman year of college, I had to write, a, you know, those horrid term papers and the professor was just like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. So everyone he was shooting everyone's topic down like, oh, who wants to listen to five page of that dribble? Nope. So <laughs> I figured, you know, oh, let me pick a topic that I know he know nothing about and he would be far more interested in whatever I had to say. So yes. I became the expert. So I decided, you know, oh, black people in opera. And he was just like, yes, I love it. That's it. That's what I want to hear about. <laughs> From then, I thought I went down a rabbit hole. I just happened to meet a librarian at my college who was a super opera fan. And he started lending me music. And, you know, so I would be listening to the music. And caveat, I didn't, when I was a child, I didn't know that opera was actually spoken, was singing in a language. I thought it had to be something you had to see. You know, people were just vocalizing. I and then... thought the same thing. <laughs> I thought that people were just saying, oh. I just exactly. thought they were just being melodic. Right, exactly. You just had to see the action. You had to be there. Though, they, though I don't know why I was thinking, but you know, they sell albums. Would be, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I took for seven years of French. And then at one point I was listening to Carmen. You know, I was just hearing Carmen in the background. You know, when I was just like, wait a minute. That sounds like familiar words. <laughs> Let me go and check this out. Wait a minute. Wait. This is a, oh, oops. Let me go to so <laughs> because you know mostly most of the time in like in cartoons in 
Warner Brothers, Bugs Bunny, they took out, whenever they were singing in opera, they were always vocalizing. And much of the time, they were just using the melody and the music and not the vocal scores. So it was just like, oh, this is so, this is what this was. So it's just like, wait a minute. Oh, this is, there is text. There is real text that you can read and understand. So I became more enthralled by the whole process. So as I was doing this, I realized that it just wasn't, so black people, specifically black women, didn't just contribute like a minor footnote. It would be virtually impossible to make any list of any, nearly any vocal category on the female spectrum without a black female opera singer being on that list. But literally, they legitimize American opera singers. Because of black women, American opera singers can now go anywhere in the world and be regarded as someone top-notch. Who, like, who, who would you put in that luminary status who really opened the door for all American opera singers? Like, which black women? In terms of, like, in the postmodern war era, you would have Marian Anderson, you would have Leontine Price, Shirley Verrett, Grace Bunbury, um, Ray Ray Grease. I mean, and these people did, uh, I guess in many ways you have to say when black people do something, they have to do it extra and more. If you, well, I, I wonder what that's know. like. <laughs> I know, right? Black <laughs> <Yes>. act. Um, <laughs> and they've been, and they don't just have to sing, you know, classical music. They, some of them have been on Broadway. The original um, West Side Story, which they're making a movie and a new. It's, an, it's going back to Broadway, yeah. It's going back to Broadway. The original person who sang somewhere was actually a black singer. In the original cast album, Riri Grease is black. But in terms of like what you can, if we're going to be speaking in terms of today's understanding of bankable singers, like who really broke the door down completely, it has to be Leontine Price. And basically, she has 18 Grammys, I think. She has Presidential Medal of Honor, Kennedy Center Honors. The, the new Metropolitan Opera House that is there was opened in 1966. Uh, entire opera was written for her. How come I've never heard of her before? Did I fail Black History Month just now? So it must be understood that these singers like Leontine Price, Marion Anderson, um, Paul I've Robeson. Heard of Anderson. Yeah, right. Paul, Paul Robeson to a certain extent. These were they were all part of the civil rights movement. But besides Paul Robeson sort of did it very he was like at one point the highest paid entertainer in the world. And when talking about black tax, Paul Robeson basically was a scholar, a, an athlete, an actor, a singer, you name it, Paul Robeson was doing it and doing it par excellence. And his relationship with the Soviet basically cost him his career. The State Department took away his passport mm-hmm. and basically stopped him from making any, earning any living. And I think because of him, sort of other black artists sort of decided to do it much more quietly. Because consider that in 1961, when you had all of the major civil rights the Montgomery bus boycott, and all these things were happening around in the early 60s. Black singers were on the Metropolitan Opera House starring featured roles. Like, and so I think for many of the civil rights movement, they felt, oh, this was not in part with the Black is Beautiful, take us out of an Afrocentric view. They felt that these people were singing European music, and they were not part of the machine, I guess. Do you think that people then thought opera was a space that they didn't have to integrate if they were sort of dismissed outright in, within the civil rights era because they were performing in major stages? 
Did they not see integration as then necessary for the for for the opera space? I think in the 60s, there was much more concrete things that they were looking for in terms of like desegregation and in Jim Crow and felt that when these singers were enjoying a sort of a privilege in these spaces, but yet they didn't hear them advocating for black civil rights. Mm-hmm. I guess in their mind, they felt this way. And they felt that if they were using their um, talents, it should have been towards some jazz and some. That's a criticism for some. But oh, for others, um, for others, they were actually doing the damn thing. They were literally commanding the attention of the white world. They were breaking down all barriers. And you would notice that I'm stating, um, I'm speaking of women yep. and not men. Because, of course, gender politics um, plays itself into opera. But Marian Anderson sort of changed the, the concept of people understanding black singers as sort of classical singers. Because she went all over the world and in places, Scandinavia, in England, in Germany, in Italy, she went all over the world in the early part of the 1900s, 1920s, singing all over the world, classical music, changing people. And also she added spirituals, which sort of like, which sort of changed people's perception of quote unquote Negro music as they called it then. I have a very ignorant question. I do think it's my role as the white male in the oh, conversation Jesus. to ask that. Do we have to be constantly reminded? I know. <laughs> well, the listeners do because they can't see me. They know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> anyway, Chris, anyway. So, Cordell, you know, th- this topic of blacks and opera is obscure mm-hmm. for a lot of people, including myself. But even opera more generally is an obscure topic for a lot of people, including myself. Obviously, in New York City, there is a market for opera, but a lot of places there isn't. I remember in Baltimore, right after the economic collapse, the opera company was like, that's it. There's not enough interest. We don't have any money. And they closed. And there wasn't a lot of mourning for that either. I'd love to hear from you. What's the case for opera? Like, why do you like it? And do you think people should keep listening to it? you know, with or without more diversity, like, what's the case for it? Without diversity, it is dead. In the 1960s and 70s and 80s, it was black people, black women, who were bringing in the bucks. Well, I mean, I think the question, though, is much more about why something like opera isn't viable, even if the audience, even if the performer is black, who's the Mm -hmm. audience for opera? In the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, with Black people on the stage, it brought more diversity to the crowd. People came, listened, and paid for ticket. So without, in my mind, without diversity in a lot of these quote-unquote esoteric, like ballet and chamber classical music, you are, it's going to be dead. If you think of any Broadway performance, I'm sure, where there's a mixed cast, you bring new audiences to the for, forefront right there. And secondly, in terms of opera in and of itself, opera basically brings forth like all of the arts in one place. Design, singing, music making, poetry, writing, etc. It sort of lends itself to all of these disciplines. And you can get even people from outside artists getting involved in set design, etc. I think it's it's been poorly marketed. Because, again, it's being catered to sort of an old esoteric sort of crowd. But, of course, 
every year people are joining schools and doing opera program. So there is people who love it and want to do it. But are black people always, doing that? What I know about my friends who are Broadway performers is that they will go to auditions and they'll see the same people of color at every audition. What that tells me is that there's very few people of color in that space. And I am only imagining that opera, it must be worse. There must be very few black people who are pursuing operatic studies. I could be wrong because a lot of what you're saying to me right now is completely news to me, but it just strikes me that way. What would you say about that? I, I don't know numbers. Um, consider, um, I don't know if you watch Drag Race, but Monet Exchange, she went yes. to, he went to school for opera. A lot of people mm-hmm. always, uh, nearly a lot of Broadway singers, Audrey McDonald, she studied opera at Juilliard. So it does lend itself to having opera basically, consider of opera is basically training to be an opera singer is that basically training for the Olympics. Uh-huh. It is the highest, it is the, the extent, as far as we know, as your voice, can, the human voice can actually go. I think there are a lot of people who go into opera singing and opera studies. They become teachers to a certain extent. They go on to Broadway. They do other things. Sometimes they give it up because it's 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 an it's a difficult road for anyone. Whether you're white, black, Asian, indifferent, Martian, it's a difficult road for anyone. But it's been particularly for people of color um, for certain roles. It is just rather difficult. But I think people out there. I think it would help. It would help if. People are much more open to diversity. Nobody wants to go see an old man or a white man all the time conducting, right? If you have women, you can bring a different audience into it. You can bring a new source of money. But yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of these, quote unquote, old hats sort of hold on to tradition. So it's not like it's a dead art form, I would say. But it is sort of difficult. But there are people of color still flocking to this. And, and Korea, mm-hmm. um, I know Asia, Korea has a huge opera program. And mostly studying, of course, their own traditional, um, own local music, the national music, but also Western classical music. So I did a little bit of background reading just to kind mm-hmm. of prime the pump for myself. And they were talking mm-hmm. about like two major issues, which I think would probably be really central to Blacks in opera, which is blackface and then also colorblind casting. Does colorblind casting happen in opera? Because it would seem like it would be essential because aren't they usually pulling from like the same source material? <laughs> so you would well, almost have to be able to envision a black person singing a role that maybe traditionally had been sung by a white person. There are some roles in opera that are specifically where the characters are quote unquote black characters. One of the most famous example is I think two examples are Othello and Aida. Now, of course, these sort of like harken back to sort of like European ideas about <laughs> Africans, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's probably like Miss Saigon. <laughs> Miss Saigon is based on Puccini's opera, Madame Butterfly. Yep. <laughs> Same story, which was based on another play by an American, I think it was, our European M. Butterfly. So it, it's all very messy. I just right? want to say, I did see a colorblind, a colorblind casting Aida the opera, mm-hmm. I mean, very honest, it was very confusing thematically. <laughs> what are you It was about? very confusing. I mean, just because, like, that show is very much... It's racialized. It, it's racialized. And it's like if West Side Story, they're like, anyone can be on Sharks or Jets. Like, when they're doing the dance, you're like, wait, who, wh- who's the shit? <laughs> when people talk about colorblind casting, right? When people talk about, like, we got to match the color. Like, you know, um, one singer 
Leona Mitchell said she was supposed to play Donna Anna in Mozart Don Giovanni, which is Don Juan, basically, a lecherous man. And, and the conductor said, well, if we have a black Spanish count, countess, we got to have a black everybody. And we really can't find all those people. So I really can't hire you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can sing the part, but you know, like, how is that going to be believable? Meanwhile, Madame Butterfly is 15 years old, right? Well, that's believable. <laughs> but that's believable. You know what I mean? So nobody goes to a performance and like, this is what we're watching. Like, we need realism. Right I here. know, at the it's, opera. Not even in theater. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we are here not just for, like, realism. We are here for an idea. We're here for, you know, you have synergy to singing. Disbelief. Like, suspend disbelief okay. all the time. You know what I mean? Like, but in terms of blackface, I think in specifically when we talk about Aida, it's confusing. I think part of the problem is that Europeans are like, quote unquote, white people's idea of the white society's stereotypical idea of, of what Africa and Ethiopia and Egypt are. They think Ethiopia and Africa are on two different continents, first and foremost. So the e Egypt is basically, Egypt is like some other places like west of London and basically <laughs> Ethiopia... <laughs> It's basically South Africa. Yeah. So that's part of the problem. Then you have like their version of what it looks like. So if you go to the Met, there's a scene in Aida in the middle where um, there's a soldier. Basically, the story is about, you know, girl falls in love with the captain of the guards, basically. And he went off to fight to war. But guess who shows up? The prisoners of war, basically, are women and children Basically, the middle passage broke down in Lincoln Center. And I'm just like, but the beginning of the story, you said the enemies entered, the soldiers entered. No one brings women and children to war. They just don't. So who should be on stage? <laughs> it's not women and children. Should be soldiers. And then they have all of the soldiers are prisoners of war, half naked. But then the lead baritone shows up and he's in full garb. Like, how is his men naked, half naked, and he's wearing full clothing? So part of the problem is that their own concept and and racism and stereotype sort of works against them. It's never right. And then you see the whole Egyptian scene in ruins. Um, it's in ruins today. Back in that time, it was pristine and brand new. They just got the slaves to build it. So there shouldn't be anything chipped, to, you know. So that's part of the problem. But again, if diversity was in the room, some black person would be like, uh, that ain't right. You know what I mean? But then that's not why generally is happening. Well, so, it, seems, it seems like, though, for opera, as you've, as you've said often, it's been the women. It's not a space for black men. And I'm curious as to why you think it is, why it hasn't been. Because, so, I mean, there's no doubt that black men can sing, but they wow. haven't been able to have that space. So I'm going to tell you an interesting story. So if you look it up, you would see that it says Marian Anderson, the 1955 January 7th, I think it is, became the first black performer at the Metropolitan Opera House in a leading role. The truth is that Marian Anderson had been retired by then. She'd been concertizing for like much of her early life. And by 1955, she had retired, basically. But the story was that the truth is that um, the guy who sang Don't Worry, Be Happy, his father was actually, he's a classically trained singer, Robert McFerrin Jr., but his father, Robert McFerrin Sr., is a classically trained baritone. 
he was actually slated to be the first performer singing. But the politics of the day was that a, man, a black man couldn't break down the doors because then all hell break loose. We can't have these quote-unquote uppity Negroes running their place, whatever the case may be. So in order to fix that problem, you had to have a quote-unquote token, someone who can be seen as sympathizing for everyone and someone they can always accept. Mm. So Marin Anderson had already gained the favor of Eleanor Roosevelt if you early 1935 or somewhere at that time the daughters of the American Revolution those that group with their fake ancestry.com mm-hmm. um, before that was a thing <laughs> <laughs> you know so they decided no 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 you cannot come here so Eleanor Roosevelt had um, resigned her position in 19- and she gave a concert it's like it's popular American you know yeah Ruha- Whatever the case may be. Meanwhile, America just rejected Jewish people from coming aboard, coming to America. Just like, go back, Jewish people. We already let one black woman sing. So anyway, <laughs> three weeks later, Robert McFarren made his debut in the lead role. Literally, he's Rigoletto, and the opera is called Rigoletto. So the opera is basically centered around him, and it's less fanfare. So basically, so I think that sort of premise made the difference. And when you think about black men there is a voice type that matters too. Because mm-hmm. if it's a black male tenor, like, like if he's singing Radamez in Aida, he's singing Cavaradosi in Tosca, that's not going to work because he has to hold on to a white woman more than uh, likely. And know. that becomes well, problematic. Um, so I think there's a story um, when Othello was, with Paul Robeson, I think, played Othello mm-hmm. um, on the, the Shakespeare play when he has to choke Desdemona, there was an audible gasp mm-hmm. in the audience. They were like, no, uh, I do remember reading about this. Mm. So it yeah. changes the perspective. And in fact, a lot of the black women, um, I know one particular one said that an opera um, director of the said, it is much easier to see a black woman in a white man's arms uh, than to see a white that, woman. That makes sense. In a black well, of course. Arms. I mean, that, that holds up certain the- colonial ideas. And also the audience, right? The audience for an opera. And then also the opera is often romantic, right? And it's all, it's often got a lot of embraces. No, no, it, and it, it, you've got it, a lot no, of people in, entangled with each other on stage, at least the ones that I see at a right. distance. <laughs> right. And this is the problem. The interesting okay. thing is just like, you know, that they're not always acting, per se. But yeah. it changes the perception of people. So there have been black male opera singers who have been made it through. Um, but again, they don't get this top billing and they haven't maybe become superstars. And they're often in roles, if they're tenors, they're often in roles where it's like the, they're not necessarily, they're asexual to a certain extent, wow. if that makes some sort of sense. Interesting. Court if you were going to recommend something that someone should see, hear, read, or experience to get more insight into this topic, where would you direct people? A woman by the name of Rosalind M. Story. She's black. She's a violinist by trade, I think it is. She wrote a book, And So I Sing, African-American Divas of Opera and Concert. So that has basically listed all of them. There is actually an encyclopedia of black opera singers from 1893 to 1993. There it is. Cornell, thank you so much. I learned a lot from this, actually, from this. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. And you've been great. And (laughs) it's been great seeing you. Trisha and Cordell do a different podcast about tennis, which we won't advertise for them here. But in any case, uh, 
on that note, thank you and bye bye bye